Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Good afternoon and welcome to Women Lead Radio, brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm Eileen Gaffin, your host of Reputation and Influence, and our topic today is the gift of perspective. Perspective has played a very important role in fact, you could say a life-changing role for our guest today, Lindsay Roy. Lindsay is the Senior Vice President of Strategy and Brand at Hallmark. She is a wife, a mother, and now an author. This is launch week for her book. Her new book is called The Gift of Perspective, Wisdom I Gained from Losing a Leg and Two Lungs. Hello, Lindsay. I just want to give you a very warm welcome. Thank you, Eileen. I'm thrilled to be a part of this. Uh, the opening uh, makes me feel very humbled to be among the people that are getting interviewed here. And as I'm sure we'll unpack, you and I are old colleagues. So it's just great to hear your voice again. Oh, it's so good to hear yours, too. And before our interview started, I was telling Lindsay that working at Hallmark, it's just um, definitely the crown in my career, and uh, um, I'm so honored to have uh, worked for the brand and to work with you, Lindsay. So we'll jump right in. Your new book is so compelling and deeply profound. Um, You share lessons learned along the way in your personal and professional journey, Um, and as I mentioned, you're an accomplished executive at Hallmark. So tell us first about your career path. Yeah, well, thanks for asking. I always love talking about, you know, my time at Hallmark. And for the, by and large, that's been the majority of my career. I had a journalism major and went and did an ad agency stint in Chicago for a while, which was good fun. But Kansas City is essentially where Hallmark is headquartered, is uh, closest to home and where I grew up and a place I wanted to, you know, live uh, this chapter of my life. So I've been there over 20 years at the company and done a lot of different things. You know, I won't belabor them, but from product development to innovation to digital leadership to running, you know, being our CMO for a while and leading all marketing and now doing what I love, which is the chance to kind of shape some of the key aspects of our strategy and to do everything we can to continue to, you know, make our brand as majestic as it's been for over 100 years. So a lot of different things and um, a lot of good people along the way, including our time working together. Yeah, and for such an iconic brand. Um, During that time, if you're looking at the same path of your career journey, then put your personal journey on top of that. Um, You got married, and you you can talk about that, about starting a family. Yeah. So I started at Hallmark, gosh, I was probably 22 or 23 years old. And so I've joked before that I've lived all the life stages you know, to this point in my life at Hallmark that we make cards for. You said I've had wedding showers and 
uh, birthdays and, uh, you know, the wedding. And I've had two children while I've been at Hallmark who are now 14 and 12. And as I know we're going to dive deeper into, and you alluded to just with my book title, if you lay on top of that, you know, some unexpected life journeys where at 36 years old, so gosh, you know, 14 or so years into my time at Hallmark, I was in a boating accident that created, you know, the need for me to have an amputation um, of one of my legs. And then just two years ago, I went on uh, medical leave for the disease that eventually caused me to need the lung transplant, those subjects that I cover in my book. So while at Hallmark, like you said, you know, I've had an amazing career, had the chance to work with awesome people that have helped me, you know, loved my time there. And then life has happened on top of that, the good, the bad, the ugly, just like it does for all of us. Yeah. And so that's what I wanted to dive into. And you talk about it in your book. So, so your life suddenly has this profound change with the boating accident. And that's where you talk about, well, you talk, the book is called The Gift of Perspective. That's where you talk about how perspective played a role and how so. And that was shortly after your accident. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this podcast today and, and to try to bring in even maybe a little bit of familiarity for people. So you can imagine, right, It's I think it was – Wednesday afternoon, I had taken Thursday and Friday off work the weekend that we went to where the boating accident happened. And I remember Eileen running out of the, you know, running out of work with all my to-dos and, you know, being heavily in work mode and all of that you need to do before you go on vacation. And I still remember that, you know, my work bag was all my stuff and my computer and my notebook and all the good things that I was going to pick back up on Monday. And when I hit the pause button for a little bit of rest and relaxation, that's when the accident happened. Like all accidents, you don't know when they're going to happen. They're definitely not expected. That's the sheer nature of any accident. Mm. And that was, of course, true here. So weekend lake trip with my husband and friends resulted in, like you've mentioned, just a freak accident that you could never recreate in a million years. No negligence, no anything, just a series of things that happened that ended up with a boat running over me and as I mm. said in a TED Talk I did, I danced with the propeller, which caused injuries to three of my four limbs. And that's when everything changed. I didn't have any choice but for my vantage point to change. And since that's been 10 years ago now, I've continued to kind of hone that perspective and try to reflect on those lessons and make some purpose from my pain. Yeah, and you you said you had injury to three limbs. For those who don't know your story, what injuries did you sustain? So my left leg was the leg that was damaged to the point of the very same night. Like I was helicoptered to a hospital. I was awake for all of that. But when they put me under for surgery, I had no idea what was going to happen. I didn't even know if I was going to live. But I woke up the next morning to the news that your left leg was needed to be amputated in a life-saving effort. So that wasn't a choice or a hand-wringing kind of thing or a, or a try at rehab. It was a done decision. And my right leg had severe injuries that over time um, through, you know, surgeries and, and rehab, we've been able to kind of maintain the function to a fairly high degree of that leg. It did not end up needing to have any, you know, uh, further uh, uh, surgeries or whatnot. And then my right arm, it was a little more surface level, but it definitely caused crea uh, challenges and, and creative needs 
which I'm right-handed, and my whole right kind of forearm and wrist and, and part of my thumb were, were injured. But those things have healed for the most part. But it was many miracles have also happened in my life, and one of them was somehow it hit my limbs but didn't hit my head or my, you know, mm. vital organs. It's kind of when you really visualize a body and to think about kind of working around three-quarters of the perimeter, it's still miraculous mm-hmm. to me that, you know, it didn't hit you know, the parts that I'm using today to talk to you. Yeah, it is miraculous. And you you tell a story about a picture that was taken of you and your husband just before the accident, what your thoughts were when the picture was being taken and what your thoughts, and this gets to perspective too, and what your thoughts were after. For sure. And, you know, this is something that I, I do love sharing because I think, you know, especially knowing that mostly women are listening, we can even be especially hard on ourselves. And what Eileen's referencing and I talk about in my book, and I, I also mentioned this nugget in my TED Talk because it was very, um, I'll just use your great word today, Eileen, profound to me in the moment. So the day of the accident, it was the Saturday of that weekend. That morning I had a friend who I joke, I just had met her that weekend. She was a friend of a friend. And I joke she had the quote unquote perfect body. And I was like, oh, goodness, she's <laughs> taking a picture of me and my quote-unquote, less than perfect body. I've learned over time there is no such thing. If your body works, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. But in the time, you know, I, I think I had a, a more, you know, surface-level paradigm. And as she took that picture, I thought, well, gosh, if I'm ever going to post this, it'll just be, you know, cropped in on our head and shoulders. <laughs> but forget about that. Go into all the, you know, the craziness that, that ensued. And a day or two later, I was looking at my phone in my hospital bed and looking at the now, what I would call the before pictures. And I saw that picture and instantly I saw it so differently. I wasn't judging Mm. how I looked in it. I was honestly completely saddened that my body was still 100% functional in that picture and it no longer would be again. And that was one of my first little moments. I had several even in that kind of wake of that hospital stay. But that was one of my first moments of really thinking about, gosh, things are simply how you see them. Instead of me worrying about, you know, less than flat stomach or thighs yeah. that didn't have a thigh gap or whatever, all <laughs> I saw was, my gosh, those legs worked perfectly. And in that moment, I would have given anything to have that body back. Oh, I love that. Um, there's another moment there's lots of moments that you describe and great quotes throughout your book but you describe yourself in the book as the queen of scrappiness and one (laughs) of the examples you wrote about is how your resourcefulness we could talk about what it means to be resourceful but how your resourcefulness helped you as a mother of two small children there you have a two-story house and you can describe this but their bedrooms are upstairs and you needed that scrappiness when you first came home from the hospital Yes. You know, I'll just back up even to say this is something that I always get a lot of comments on. I do keynote speaking and motivational speaking that I did not do prior to my accident. It was Mm. one of the parts of my purpose that kind of grew out of this. And because I believe that, you know, when we tell our stories, we help each other along the roads that we've uniquely traveled because we all have stories. I'm not alone. I joke sometimes that mine are sort of the sensational National Enquirer version, but they're no harder <laughs> necessarily. You can't, you can't compare challenges. But I believe that when I share mine, it can create understanding and empathy and hopefully faith and optimism. But 
you can share your story. Anybody listening can share their stories, and that will create something that's a gift to our collective wisdom. And so when I speak, I tell this story you're referencing because it's a fun and sweet metaphor of this idea of resourcefulness. So as leaders in our jobs every day, I do this too. It's so easy to, gosh, say things like, well, I, we just can't get to that work. We don't have enough resources. We don't have enough budget. We don't have enough time. We can do this at home because we need X to happen, or I'll go hiking when I lose weight, or I will uh, go on that European trip when my, when my kids are out of the house, or whatever it is. And what I have found is such a magical key to resourcefulness is just getting after it from where you are. You know, you mentioned quotes, Eileen, and, and one of the quotes I love is from Arthur Ashe. Start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. And that's what mm-hmm. I did to get to those kids' bedrooms. So like she referenced, I have, you know, my master bedroom, our, our main primary room is on the main floor. The kids sleep upstairs. They were four and two years old at the time of my boating accident. Mm-hmm. And I was used to tucking them into bed at night as a working mom. That was our kind of special time. I always caveat that with most days. Let's be honest, sometimes you're tired and you just want them to go to sleep. But most days, mm-hmm. it's so special. And it had been taken away from me like everything else because I physically couldn't get upstairs. And we tried lots of solutions, but at the end of the day, it was better they were in their own beds. So one day I thought, I can either sit here and complain about it or I can find a way. So I got my wheelchair over to the stair landing. I locked it. I just threw my body like a sack of potatoes onto the landing. And I figured out how to get up those stairs by using one and a half arms. I say half because one of them was still kind of injured, so I had to treat it gingerly. And I would go up the stairs backwards. And my kids and I started to call it the crab crawl to give you a visual. So I'd be (laughs) facing outward and have my kind of forearms that would help, you know, me move up the stairs. I didn't have a prosthetic leg yet at this time. So it was, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. I didn't have an ability to use my legs. And I'd get to the top of the stair landing crawl into my daughter's room, hoist myself in the rocking chair, text my husband. He would put her in her crib. Then I would crawl down the hall and spend those evenings with my son doing the same thing. And another just key lesson of you have to just begin. And mm-hmm. a lot of times great things can happen. But you're so much more resourceful than you think you are. Because back to how you started it, the queen of scrappiness. I thought I was so resourceful until something like this happened and I realized I was probably only tapping into about 10% of myself, but I had no idea because I hadn't been forced into those corners before. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, this is where we're going to take a quick pause, um, and we'll come back to Lindsay in just a moment with more great stories. Um, Just a quick moment to recognize one of our sponsors and partners. Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, Microsoft. The Microsoft mission is to empower every person and organization on the planet to achieve more. Microsoft believes technology is a powerful force for good and are working to foster a sustainable future where everyone has access to the benefits and opportunities created by technology. Microsoft believes technology can and should be a powerful force for good and that meaningful innovation can and will contribute to a brighter world in big and small ways. Thank you for your support, Microsoft, and to all our sponsors and partners. And we're back to Reputation and Influence. I'm your host, Eileen Gaffin. And with us today is Lindsay Roy. She's author of the new book, The Gift of Perspective. 
Um, Lindsay, a lot has happened to you in your life, and we're going to get into the the next part of the health journey, if you want to call it that, but the trauma. But um, a lot of people don't know what to say or do when their friend or loved one has a serious injury or illness. And what did you find to be the most meaningful? Well, there's a lot about this. And, you know, you've read my book, in my book. And so, Mm -hmm. so many people are caring and ask this question. So please, you know, dive in deeper to that for those who really want to know more about my perspective on this topic. But in a nutshell for today, I think a few things are true. One is you have to just show up. And it's easy to avoid the awkward because you're scared you're going to say something wrong or do something wrong. Or honestly, even though we all have good intentions, sometimes we don't follow through. you got a million things to do and you're like, oh, my gosh, I haven't reached out or sent the card, especially if that person's not in, like, your first ring or two of, of your life. But show up, and that can mean send a card, call them on the phone, drop by, leave something. It, it can be a million things. But do something. Don't do what a lot of people do, when, even though it's, once again, well-intended, is let me know if there's anything you can need or you need or let me know if there's anything I can do because that just puts more burden on the person you're trying to help. So just try to do mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. And if you, you know, have a little insight into reading the tea light leaves, if what you did was helpful or not, then, you know, follow up with something else. And the other thing I'll say is it's okay to ask someone what they prefer or what they need. You know, don't necessarily assume. And if you ask in, in, a, in the right way and that person you know, will graciously respond nine times out of ten, you know, even if sometimes the one out of ten, they just can't bring themselves to connect yet, but at least they'll Mm -hmm. know you offered. So things like, Mm -hmm. hey, would you rather have some fresh meals delivered or gift cards to restaurants? Would a cleaning service be helpful right now? Or I would love to help pick up your kids from school. I'm there anyway, you know, whatever it is. A few little simple options are just magic, and it doesn't make you feel like such a burden because know that most people are going to feel like a burden. And so if you can alleviate that a little, it'll be so much easier for you to both get what you need, which is for you to feel helpful and for them to feel helped. And, and as a Hallmark executive, sending a Hallmark card is always a good idea. I'll say that for you. <laughs> well, thank you. Of course. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. I love it. Always, it's, always it's a PR health. person at heart for Hallmark, I mean. That's right. Oh, I'm still loyal to the brand, let me tell you. My friends and family know that. <laughs> Good for you. Um, let's get back to the serious, uh, more, you know, more serious stuff happening to you. So the kids are growing. You've, you've, you're working in all of these different jobs that you told us about at Hallmark, you know, we have um, all these opportunities and doing great things. And you're, you're facing another major health challenge. What happened? It was completely out of the blue to me. The headline was I had an autoimmune disease that took some crazy turn inside of me and destroyed my lungs. That's the, the quick headline. A little mm-hmm. bit more of a backstory. I'd, I'd known that I had um, an autoimmune condition for a long time, but it was always very small, latent. I had different, you know, things that I would check, but it was it was nothing major. I had no idea I could ever have like this level of problem with with what it was. And I started to notice in the summer of 2021 that I was just having trouble breathing. It wasn't all the time. 
it was episodic. It was usually if I was on vacation in the altitude or trying to walk up too many stairs. And honestly, what I thought was I was out of shape. I was working from home more. I, I truly thought out of shape plus having a prosthetic leg, you know, you're a little slower than the average sure. bear anyway. But fast forward the movie and the episodic episodes became more frequent. The severity became more extreme. I, I hired a personal trainer thinking I just needed to work out. And then oh, gosh. truly on the heels of that, I was like, no, something is definitely wrong. But nobody could diagnose me in my normal sort of medical circuit because this was a very rare and, you know, it was a rare condition on a rare condition to have this underlying disease and then have this disease do this thing to my lungs or, or you know, very, very, very rare, like less than a half a percent kind of thing. And so after a few weeks of desperately seeking for ans- seeking answers, I called a good friend of mine who was a cardiologist, got me in and did the full, like, very deep evaluation. And they told me all the blood vessels that surround your lungs, like, you know, lots and lots of little blood vessels were basically constricted. So imagine, I always tell people, like, imagine, like, penne pasta. All those little tubes were just closing and closed. And so I wasn't having proper circulation of oxygen circulating through the pulmonary side of your heart, the right side of your heart, which then created shortness of breath. And even more scary, my right side of my heart was incredibly pressurized and had expanded three times bigger than it was supposed to be. So that was kind of the critical aspect. Mm-hmm. It had to work overtime, sounds like. Yes, exactly. And so what happened? I mean, how did you get to the point of transplant? So it all happened very fast. You know, my uh, thought process on transplant from not having anyone in my life who had been an organ donor or recipient, I only had a very lay understanding of transplant. Some of you listeners, um, I'm sure are friends or family members with people on either side of that. Thank you so much to those who are donor families listening. I will just say that anytime I have the chance to, that organ donation is the most selfless and life-changing gift imaginable. But for me personally, it all happened incredibly fast. And like I said, my observations were that people would wait on the list for a couple of years, or I I didn't really know how it worked. But I was diagnosed in December of 2021 with this issue. The next three months were spent with this crazy medicine pump that was threaded through my jugular that I had to have with me 24 hours a day. Long story, also outlined in the book. But that was supposed to help dilate constantly as a vasodilator that was supposed to help open those little penne noodles, if you will, up. It works on most people. did not work on me enough. It worked enough to buy me time. It didn't work enough as a long-term solution. So then I was notified transplant is your final option, which was harrowing and scary and everything you can imagine. But you must move forward, and we did. So we went and explored lots of different lung transplant programs, learned a lot about it, all this still within the same six-month window. So December of 21, and I ended up getting my transplant July 7th of 2022. So within six Mm -hmm. months, I went from not knowing I had any problems to having the actual transplant. So a miraculous series of events that I'm forever grateful for, but also, you know, just a whirlwind of activity in a relatively short period of time. Absolutely. And you write in your book about how these life challenges helped you build resilience over time. And I think resilience is another key strength um, that you'll, you can talk to us about that can help all of us in anything we're doing. 
resilience is such a well of earned and learned, uh, I guess, street cred, whatever you want to call it, because it's not something that you can just wish upon. I will say, first of all, I personally, you know, as a, as a person of faith, feel like I was given the tools that I needed to walk this unique path in life. And my personal mm-hmm. belief is that's true for all of us. And I think there's a lot of hope and wisdom for you not just to hear the platitudes of, you know, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. That's true. But if you really yeah. unpack it, and in my lived experience, it's, it is true. If you believe that you have the tools you need, it is so freeing. So let me just say that first. Yeah. But some just kind of additional advice that I've learned is resilience is like immunity. You know, when you have kids, they're going to get sick. They're going to get germs when they're little in preschool ages, kindergarten ages, they're going to get sick more because they're building up that immunity. I think resilience is the same. We all go through hardships in our life and at different magnitudes at different times, and that starts to just build up your resilience. And I think being conscious of that, being open to when you're going through something hard to know, okay, this is a building season. And the more you go through things, you know, I think the more you can can handle. Um, not to say that things weren't incredibly hard for me. I had many a bad day. But I also have a viewpoint on how you do get stronger over time. And, and I think that's cathartic to know that. It's at least one good thing that you can focus on in the middle of some really bad days. Yeah. And so are these some of the key messages that you're sharing with your audiences? You touched on some, but um, just to remind our listeners, you are an accomplished speaker and your TEDx talk on YouTube has hundreds of thousands of views. So for those of you listening who have not seen her TEDx talk, look up Lindsay Roy on YouTube and find that. Um, But what are some of the key messages that you're leaving with your audiences? There's probably a lot, but... You can touch on a few we haven't touched on. Well, I, I appreciate you asking that because it is, and, and my website, which is just Lindsay Roy, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-R-O-Y.com, I have the, the topics that I speak on, and they're always customizable because I believe in, you know, making it perfect for the audience. But they range from a lot of the things you've mentioned, this power of perspective, how to be more resourceful as a leader, how to be a resilient person. But some of the things we haven't touched on, Eileen, are I have a lot of things that I've learned personally and learned from others that I've met and grabbed from their kind of learning collective wisdom bag, ideas on vulnerability. There's a lot in there as it relates to courage and being vulnerable, which I don't think is always easy as a female leader, Mm -hmm. but is very powerful. Um, I talk a lot about belief and how to really all the different, I have five brands of belief that I've, I've feel like I've learned a lot about as well. And so those are just, um, you know, kind of some of the, the, the key points. But there's so many different stories and metaphors under each one of those that I, you know, truly hope can help somebody tackle what whatever adversity, you know, comes their way. Because we all have problems, you know, in our work life, our parenting life, our, you know, personal life. There's just the human condition is to have challenges. And so the better we can get at sharing our own hacks and tools and thought processes, I think the better we all are, which is really the essence of this podcast, which I love. Oh, and I, I love all these messages, and you're going to help so many people. I know you already have, but um, the new book is called The Gift of Perspective. Where can we find your book? You know, most places that books are sold, especially digitally, it just launched this week. And so the retail footprint, you know, is still rolling out, but the 
Amazon, of course, it's available there. It's available on Barnes and Noble, and, and like I said, wherever you kind of buy your books, it's got an ebook and a hardback edition. So check those out. And if anybody is interested in buying books for your team, the publisher and I, because we do believe this is a great book for leadership of teams, I've already sold several to different groups. There is on my website a way to contact us for kind of bulk pricing and discounts, and and to you know give your your team the gift of perspective, you know, this holiday season. Oh, good. So that's the best place to reach you and get more information than is your website, lindsayroy.com? Yes, there's places on there to inquire about speaking, inquire about books, or just to say hello and connect. I would love to connect with, you know, I know you have a pretty amazing audience. So, yeah, there's sections on there under the contact tab of lindsayroy.com that I would love to, you know, hear from you. Great. Um any final words of wisdom uh, to carry us through our current or our next challenge? Put you on the spot. Yeah, no, no problem. You know, two things <laughs> come to mind for this audience. One is you're stronger than you think. I say this to people all the time. People will say to me, oh, my gosh, I could never deal with what you've gone through. And I think that is completely false. You truly mm-hmm. are stronger than you think. And I know this is a platitude, but it is my lived experience. You don't know how strong you are until you have to be. It is true. It is wise and used a lot for a reason. So internalize that. And the second thing I would just say is, because I know these listeners that are taking the time to listen today, which is a gift to us, Eileen, are very busy professionals, people, moms, parents. Realize that the everyday stuff, the mundane stuff is a gift the emails, the running to the orthodontist, fill in the blank, because I'll tell you from the front row seat, when you can't do those things, you miss Mm -hmm. them terribly. Normalcy and mundane is a huge gift that it's easy to complain about, easy to take for granted. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. I go to those moments too. But I try to retract and remind myself what it's like when you can't walk, when you can't breathe, when you're in a hospital. Be able to do those things is is incredible. So that's, that's what I'll leave everybody with today. Uh, well, we're, we're so grateful um, to your messages, and I just want to give you a heartfelt thank you to Lindsay Roy for being our guest today. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you so much. Have a great time, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay. And I want to thank all of our listeners, both here in the United States and around the globe, as we are an international show. After our show today, you can listen to Women Lead Radio on all subscription podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. We are expanding quickly to a daily radio show and podcast. So for now, we'll be back again for another live Women Lead Radio show on Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time. It's been my sincere pleasure to be your host today. Remember, your reputation is our business. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where like-focused, business-to-business executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.